0: Amen. What a beautiful song. Thank you, Andy, for singing that for us and setting up the fact that no one cares for us quite the way Jesus does. You know, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to turn with me to the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians, Paul writes in chapter 2 something that we need to be reminded of on this Memorial Day. He talks to us about the importance of remembering, but what is it that we are to remember? You know, we want to think about all of those who have uh, helped us to buy and pay for our freedom. But the truth of the matter is, there is one in which we cannot forget. One who paid a price that uh, no one else compares to. One who paid a price that you and I will never be able to repay. And the Apostle Paul talks to us today about what the Lord Jesus did for us. You know, as you know, this weekend kicks off the first national holiday of the summer called Memorial Day. The observance of Memorial Day was started in our country in remembrance of those who died in the war between the states. Since that time, those who have sacrificed their lives in the service of our nation in any war have been added. And since even 9-11 took place... There has been more mention of those who have died in the line of duty, such as emergency service workers, such as firemen, police officers, rescue workers, and medical personnel. And in these last several days and weeks, as we have seen our 1st our, our frontline workers step up to the plate, it is, behooves us that we do give them thanks. We all know that there has been some that have given sacrificially. They have given not only of their time and of their family, but they've given of their life in this epidemic. And we are thankful for each and every one who has put their life on the line for others. So it is fitting that today we set aside a day just to remember the sacrifice in which they have made for us. However, when I think of what Memorial Day really is. I think about the fact that as a citizen of this great country, I have an opportunity to express my gratitude for the service that so many have made so that I can enjoy the freedoms that I have that so many in the world today do not have. I'm also reminded that I'm a citizen of yet another country, another land, The Bible tells me that I am a citizen and those that are believers in Jesus Christ are citizens of heaven. And therefore I have an opportunity to express my gratitude for sacrifice that my Savior made for me on Calvary's cross. We are called today to remember. Remember those that have put their life on the line so that you and I can enjoy the freedoms that we have here in America. But we are also called to remember The ultimate sacrifice of God who sent His only begotten Son into the world that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Then we have the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus who said just as we heard in that first video and they said yes, Jesus said yes. He said yes to going to the cross. He said yes to sacrificing. He said yes to leaving heaven to come to earth for you and for me. He said yes to you and I when we came to know Him as Savior. He said yes so that we could say we belong to Him. Let us remember that today. If you have your Bibles with you today, I want you to turn and I want to read just a a few verses. In Ephesians chapter 2, I want to look at verses 11 through 13. And here's what the Apostle Paul shares with us here. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcised or uncircumcised by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands that at that time that you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of the promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus Ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What a wonderful uh, reminder that the Apostle Paul gives to us of who we were and who we are and how we became who we are because of who we were. Now, I want to share a little story with you. uh, P.G. Woldhouse in Reader's Digest told about a member of the British Parliament who had once standing in the lobby of the house when a tall, distinguished-looking old gentleman came up to him and begged a moment of his time. He had a sad story to tell. By hard work and thrift, he had amassed a large fortune, and now his relatives have robbed him of it and and are not content with just his fortune, but had placed him in a mental home. This was his day out. I have put all the facts down on this paper, he concluded. Study it and communicate with me at your leisure. Thank you, sir, thank you, and good day. Much moved by the man's acquisitive and exquisite courtesy, the Member of Parliament took the paper, shook his hands, promised that he would do everything in his power, and turned to go back to the debate. He, as he did, he received a kick in the seat of his pants that nearly sent his spine shooting through his hat. The words, don't forget, said the old gentleman. Sometimes you and I need a kick in the seat of the pants, just like Paul did for us to remind us of the importance of the things that we should not forget, the things that we should remember. The things that so often we take for granted. The things that we so often forget. The things that you and I should be reminded of today. The Apostle Paul gives us that swift kick in the pants. Don't forget. Remember. In our text today, Paul kicks us in the pants to remember our hopeless past. So that we will always be thankful We will always rejoice for what Christ has done for us on the cross. We are to remember our desperate situation before God saved us so that you and I will be able to rejoice today in days of remembrance that we will be able to look back at the cross and be reminded that Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price for us. He paid a price. He did not owe. He paid a price that uh, you and I could never pay. The word therefore found in verse 11 of chapter 2 of Ephesians refers back to the first 10 verses that we didn't take the time to read today. But Paul in saying this in light of the fact of you have been saved by God's grace through faith unto a life of good works. Remember the place from which God has brought you. Remember the importance of remembering. You see, as we look today at the importance of remembering, we're reminded of the great price that those who have gone before us have paid. But we're also remembered and and told to remember the great price that our Savior has paid. In verses 11 and 12 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, we're commanded to remember our desperate situation before God saved us. Just for a moment... I want us all just to think back to the, to the days before we became a follower of Christ. For some of us, that might mean thinking back 50, 60, 70 years. For some of us, it might be just a, a year or two or, or a few. But I want us to think about what our life was like then. I want us to be reminded... And some of us you might be saying, well, well, wait a minute, I, I really never did anything real bad. I, I got saved as a child and I never rebelled and I never did anything. And that for many is the case. But the reality is the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That idea of sin is the very idea that we need to understand, my friends. It doesn't matter what sin we committed. The fact is that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the first thing that we find here in our text is that we are uh, remember is a command and not an option. Many of us, some of us, a few of you may be struggling with remembering these days. You might be like the old person that went into the room and said, What did I come in here for? I can't remember. Well, I'm not talking really about that kind of remembering, but it's real important that we remember what we came in the room for. So that we will remember what we're here for. Remember is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option for you and I. We're told, remember what God has done for you. Paul didn't say if it grabs you, if you feel up to it, or if you want to give it a try. Rather, he commands us, remember, and goes on to specify what we are to remember. Namely, our lost condition, our hopeless condition, our helpless condition before God, through His grace, has come to save us. Paul in writing these things to the Gentiles as a group and by the way I would dare say that uh, at least for the parking lot crowd looking around I would say that 99% of us if not 100% of us here would be considered Gentile can you imagine what God or what our lives would be like if God had not come so long ago to those who are called Gentiles And for the last 2,000 years, from Adam to Christ, God chose to work almost exclusively through the Jews. If you were a Gentile, the only way that you could know God and to have your sins forgiven was to be circumcised and follow the Jewish rituals and sacrificial system. Paul was quick to command them to remember where they were as a people. Before God, by His grace, reached down and saved them. So that they would not become arrogant. So that they would not become boastful. As a matter of fact, Paul writes later in Ephesians, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, least any man should boast. Paul wants us to be reminded that that we need to understand we have nothing to boast about. Only Christ and what He has done for us. It's God's grace, His amazing grace has come into us. And this applies to us as American Christians as well. We have a great privilege that few people in the globe today enjoy. In our nation today, we are saturated with the gospel. We have Bibles and Christian books and good Bible teaching in abundance. We have often taken these things for granted, and, and perhaps maybe the last few weeks has caused you to, to recognize that, that when when something comes in our life and takes away from us that which we are so accustomed to having... It is a great reminder for us that we should never take for granted the blessings that God has bestowed upon us. As we so often take these things for granted, the truth is, as we continue, if we continue to be complacent in our relationship with Christ, in our commitment to Christ, in our stand before the world, we will become like so many other places that I I see in the world today where the gospel. Is hardly known at all, hardly preached, and hardly confessed. God could justly remove the light that you and I re- enjoy so much, the Spirit of God, upon our nation, if we do not, if we do not remember from whence we have come and be reminded to whom we owe glory and honor to. So my command to you from the Apostle Paul is we are commanded to remember. We are to remember what Jesus has done. We are to remember what those fallen heroes have done for us. And then we look at the fact that we are told what are we to remember. The question comes up, what are you and I to remember today? And I want to give you a few things that we're to remember. First of all, we're to remember our desperate situation. Again, I remind you that some of you may say, well, I was never really a real bad sinner. Listen, my friends, sin is sin is sin is sin is sin. It doesn't matter what you've done. It matters that you have sinned and has broken fellowship with God. We need to be reminded that sin is the desperate state in which we are all in. Paul describes the condition of the Gentiles before the cross as one of utter hopelessness and despair. We now live in an age of God's blessing on the Gentiles. Our churches today, especially in America, are mainly made up of Gentile believers. But this has not always been the case. Paul reminds the Gentiles there are five facts of their past that we must remember before God saved us. Five things I want to share with you this morning that Gentiles like you and I need to be reminded of that God did and God reminds us of that our life was like before Christ. First of all, before Christ saved you, you were separate from Christ. Yes, you and I came to Christ separate. As a matter of fact, the Scripture says that our iniquities have separated us from God the word separate uh, should jar all of us it should cause us to think about all of those that are yet still cut off from Jesus Christ his saving grace his mercy his love before the gospel came to the the city of Ephesus these Gentiles had not heard of the name of Jesus they had no idea how their sins could be forgiven how they could be reconciled to a God that they did not yet know. They worshipped an idol, Artemis, and feared the evil spirits, trying to keep them at bay through magic. They were separate from Christ. They were separate from God. And, and they knew not who He was because they had not yet come to know Jesus Christ. The term separate from Christ ought to burn at our heart to be compassionate for those around the world who have yet to hear the gospel. For the believer, every opportunity to give to foreign missions and missions uh, across this great country ought to be something that we take to heart because the sharing of the gospel is the way that people are going to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm thankful. I wasn't always thankful about the... Uh, having the internet uh, uh, and video and our messages, but as I have heard and seen the multitude of responses, I am thankful that we can share the gospel from one location and let it go wherever God so chooses. The term separate from Christ. For those who have come to know Him should cause our hearts to hurt just a little as it did for Jesus. You see, when Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem, He wept over that city. For He saw their difficult plight. He saw that they were separate from Him, and they were separate from God. The second thing that we see is before God saved you, you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel. The commonwealth of Israel. In other words, you didn't have a part in the homeland. Now, having the opportunity to go to Israel a couple of times already, what a joy and privilege it is to to be in that land. But one of the things that I noticed is that I was still a foreigner in in a foreign land. Even as a believer in Christ, I had a connection to that land. I still was a foreigner in that land. But the Bible says that one day there's going to be a new Jerusalem. And that new Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven and all the saints of glory, both Gentile and, and Jews alike, are going to be home there forever. Well, you see, Israel could rightly say, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Psalms 33, verse 12. And they could refer to God as the God of Israel. In Psalms 72 and 18. But that was not true of the Gentile nation. They were excluded from the people whom God had chosen as His own. As I've traveled so many times around to different foreign countries, as so many of you perhaps have, you know that traveling in those countries, you don't always understand the language. You don't always understand the signage. And, and you don't always understand the conversations that are taking place. You almost feel like you're an outsider, even though you're there. That's exactly how the Gentiles were in the midst of what God had said to them before they knew the grace of God. They were outsiders, uh, even though they were living in the land. You and I were excluded From that very thing remember that once you were excluded from the people of God therefore as you and I see those that are new to the faith we need to make sure that every person that we meet that claims to know Jesus Christ feels comfortable and welcome and included in the body of Christ When they come to church, we need to reach out. And I know we can't shake hands today, but we need to reach out with the love of Jesus Christ and say, welcome, my brother. Welcome, my sister, into the house of God. The third thing that we see that he says that we were in trouble in, before God saved you, you were strangers to the covenant of the promise. Covenants. Refers to the several different covenants made throughout the Old Testament such as the covenants that were made to Abraham in Genesis, and Isaac and Jacob, the nation of Israel, through Moses in Exodus, and then to David in Samuel. The promise refers to the underlying promise that God, who makes a covenant with His people, promises that He will fulfill His covenant. You see, the Bible tells us that the promise of God was to send a Savior into the world. And my friends, through the lineage of David came our Savior. You see, before God sent the Savior, many generations of Gentiles had lived and died without any knowledge of God's covenant promises that they could have today. You and I, if Jesus would not have come and said, I have come not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. If the Apostle Paul had not taken the gospel, not only to the Jews first, but then to the Gentiles, you and I today would still be on the outside looking in, wondering how can we have that hope of salvation. Thank God we are no longer on the outside We are on the inside. We are participants of the covenant, of the promise of Jesus Christ. And then fourthly, before God saved you, you and I had no hope. Without God's covenant promise, there is no hope. His promise was the promise that He would send a Messiah. The hope of Israel, Acts chapter 28 calls Him. But the Gentiles had no hope. At least no hope based upon such promises from God. For their gods never made such promise. Only the one living true God, the God of the Jews, the God who created it all. The empty hopes in which they had were empty because there was no hope in an empty God. The Jews had hope not in an empty God, but in a living God. If you look through Psalm 71 and verse 5, talks about that they served a living God. And today, you and I serve a living Savior. The Bible says that He died, but yet He rose again, and He is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. Sometimes, unbelievers look at the suffering of this world especially the suffering of little children, and they scoff at us. And they say, if there is a God, why does He allow such terrible things to happen? And that's a great question. And I want you to know that that, that God understands that concern within our heart. But the problem is we simply don't realize. We don't realize what the world's condition would be like if God wasn't intervening, if God wasn't present. If God removes His Spirit from this world, which one day He will, then we're going to see what hell on earth really is like. But listen, my friends, today, yes, the world is full of sin and Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is a destructive foe and he is doing all kinds of evil, but God keeps him restrained. Yes, there's horrible things that happen in our world. But if God was not here, if Jesus did not restrain Satan, my friends, we would see no hope. We would live in a world without hope. And then fifthly, before God saved you, you were without God in this world. Now what that means is that simply it's the saddest statement in all of the Bible, I think. Having no hope and without God in the world. Can you imagine the destructive power of this world? Can you imagine the hopelessness of this world and then be without Christ? My friends, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that I don't have to go through the things of this world anymore without the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. The world is a wicked and cruel and violent place. The world does all kinds of evil things. But even if we live in a relatively comfortable life, even if things were going well for us, the best that we can hope for is to express the sentiments on a bumper sticker that simply says, eat, eat healthy, exercise, and die anyways. You see, the Bible tells us that once is appointed unto men to die, If that were the case, we might say we go through this life and all we're going to do is die. No, listen. Don't forget the rest of that. Once it's appointed unto all men to die, and then comes the judgment. Then we're going to stand before God whether we believe in Him, whether we trust Him, whether we know Him. We're going to stand before Him because, my friends, all of us are without excuse. And we will give an account for our sin. And we will give an account for our rebellion and disobedience. So listen, my friends. Don't face God without Jesus Christ as your Redeemer. He is our advocate. He is our lawyer. He is the one who will make our place. He will claim His blood upon us for His glory. Now secondly, today, we are not only commanded to remember because we have so many things to be remembered, but the second thing I want you to see this morning is that we are to rejoice that in Christ, who we were formerly afar away had been brought near to him through that blood, the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, he reminds us that though we were once far from God, We have been brought close. Our redemption draweth nigh through the blood of Jesus Christ. No one can take away the blood. It may be offensive to some, but my friends, it is the power that changes our life. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness of sin. Now listen, I realize the word rejoice is not in that verse. It doesn't appear in verse 13, but it appears within my heart. When I think about the reality of what it means for the blood of Jesus Christ to be applied to my life, I can't help but rejoice. I rejoice that I have been made clean. I rejoice that I am no longer bound to my sin. I rejoice that I've been set free. I rejoice that He is my Redeemer. I rejoice today because I've been commanded to remember what He has done for me. Let me give you four brief observations of why we should rejoice this morning. First of all, we should rejoice that God's salvation results in a glorious contrast in our life. Now listen, my friends, let me just stay right off the bat. If your life is not different than what it was before you claimed to know Jesus Christ, then you have not met the Savior. The Savior always changes that which he claims. He always takes the dirty and makes it clean. He always takes the sinner and makes it righteous. Jesus Christ takes that which is shameable and makes it unblameable. And therefore, my friends, we need to recognize there is a great great contrast between that of the sinner that I used to be and the saint of God that I now am. And if there's not, there is a need for you to get on your knees and repent of your sins today and remember it is the blood of jesus christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness we rejoice because our life is not the same we were separate from christ excluded as people of god strangers to god's covenant promise but no longer are we but now he says should cause you and i to shout hallelujah hallelujah I am now His, and He is now mine. And I am a child of God. When God breaks into our lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ, you simply cannot remain the same person that you were before. You cannot remain the same sinner. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I want you to know that Jesus Christ has caused us to rejoice because we have been made new. Secondly, rejoice that formerly you were separate from Christ, but now you are in Him. In Jesus Christ is Paul's favorite phrase. He's used it, and so many different variations, such as in Him, in Christ. At least 13 times in this chapter, or in this book so far, he's used this phrase. It means that we are totally identified with Christ in His death, His resurrection, and in present position as He sits at the right hand of God the Father. And Paul, as he said in Ephesians 1.3, we now have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We rejoice because we are now in Him. Thirdly, we rejoice that formerly you were afar off, but now you are brought near to God. Paul says far off, and the word near are Old Testament terms that refer to the Gentile and the Jew respectively. According to the Old Testament, the Gentiles were far off from God. According to the Old Testament, the Jews were near unto God. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 17, Paul cites Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 19. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were drawn nigh, brought near. What God has done for us through the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's taken a people that were afar away, and he said, Come unto me all who will believe and receive the gift of salvation. Thank God he has given unto us, even as Gentiles. We have the, the joy of being able to come and worship Jesus, just as the joys uh, the Jews enjoyed so long ago, and even today. Now God has brought us near to him. The term implies an intimacy, a personal relationship with a living God. I'm thankful that my relationship with God is not just some abstract thing. I'm thankful that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. A personal relationship so that when I call upon Him, I know that He knows me by name. He knows you by name. When you call upon His great and mighty name, He doesn't say you're somebody. He says you by name. Praise the Lord. And then uh, fourthly, we rejoice that formerly we were sinners, but now we have been drawn near by the blood of Jesus Christ. Under the old covenant, only the priest could enter into the holy place of God. And that the only way that they could enter was with a blood sacrifice. But then only once a year could the high priest enter that most sacred of places called the Holy of Holies. And here there he would make a sacrifice on the day of atonement for the sins of people. But now, now that Jesus has shed his blood and cleansed us from all sins we are cleansed once and for all as a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 10, it reminds us that that wall of separation has been broken down. The, the veil that, that was there between the Holy of Holies has been rent from top to bottom. And He says, Come boldly into the throne room of God. Come boldly into My presence. Come boldly so that we can have relationship together. We were once afar far off because of our sin. The blood of Jesus Christ has atoned for all of our sins both the past the present and praise God all my future sins are covered under the blood as we remember today we need to rejoice that the blood of Jesus Christ covers the guilt and the condemnation of you and I once for all what a glorious reason to rejoice now I want to take you back Just for a couple of moments, I want you to listen to the words of the Apostle John. I want you to listen as he talks about what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. How that because of his blood atonement, because of his death, we have been made a part of the family. Listen to these words.
1: I walked with him through the crowds. Hundreds pressing in from, from all sides. I mean, everybody wanted to be near Jesus. There there was no way that he could see them all, but he, he felt, he felt their, their hurts their needs. And so many times he would stop. And right there in the midst of the masses, he'd minister to the individual. We were always trying to rush him. Though we, we thought we were protecting him. <laughs> we just didn't understand. And then on that day, as he hung there, he looked at me and it just caught me off guard. He suffered so much, I can't describe it. And he looked down at me. in the midst of his pain he had to take care of one more person he said take care of my mom he called me brother I left him like a brother for that moment that's where we were Mary buried her head in my chest and she just wept and I looked up at him A little later, he breathed his last. To open the door. (laughs) So that everyone could be a part of the family.
0: Paul wanted us to remember. He wanted us to remember these things so that we would never forget where we were. Before the Lord invited us to be a part of his family. He wanted us to remember how the Lord snatched us out of the pit. The pit of our own sin. The pit of our own destruction. And maybe for some of you today, you're still there. Maybe you're struggling in that pit and you're wondering, is there anyone that can send a lifeline? Anyone that can help? His name is Jesus. We would be glad to share with you what he has done for us so that you might know what he can do for you it's not what you and i have done but it's what he has done for us he wants you and i to remember so that we won't forget because if we forget we as christians will become lukewarm and apathetic about the things that God has done for us in redeeming us. If we forget, we will soon lose the joy of our salvation. If we forget, we will soon lose the hunger and thirst for his word and for his righteousness. If we forget, we will lose that motivation That motivation to take the gospel to a lost and dying people. So I challenge you this morning, take a minute and just remember your desperate plight. Remember your desperate situation that you were in before Christ. Remember what he did to redeem you. Remember, remember is not an option it is a command. You and I are blessed to live in a land that is free. However, it's easy for us to forget that freedom is never free. Freedom costs somebody something. Hundreds of millions of people have paid the ultimate price so that you and I today could be here today that we could claim we have freedom in America because of those who have paid the ultimate price. On this Memorial Day weekend, tomorrow, take time to remember the great price that was paid. On this day, today, on the Lord's Day, remember the great price that he paid on Calvary's cross let the words of that story of uh, the Apostle John sharing the last moments of Jesus at the cross be a reminder to us all to remember that he died to take care of one more that one more might be just you you may be here today and need his love he is freely, willingly able to give it. This Memorial Day, may we give God the praise and the glory that He deserves as we remember the folks that paid the ultimate price for the freedoms of America. And may we give God the glory and the praise and the honor that He deserves for His ultimate sacrifice of the death upon the cross. And may we today be reminded that we are called to remember so that we will never forget the great debt that he paid, the great debt that I owe, the great Savior that he is, and may our hearts and lives be drawn nearer to him as we remember. Would you bow with me in prayer? And as we're praying, I'm going to ask them to play the, 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 the invitation hymn, Just as I am, as Jesus wants you to come to Him today, just as He is. So as they're praying, or playing. I want you to pray. If there is a need within your heart, call out to the Lord. If there is a need within your life, call out to Him.